Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Mile Higher Podcast, episode 206. Today, we're going to be looking at the Coachella Valley murders, or the case of Audrey Moran and Jonathan Reynoso. Now, the last time that we did coverage on this, or I did coverage on my YouTube channel, the two of them were still considered to be missing. When was that? August 2019. Okay. So, um, like three years has passed almost yep. since then. And there's a lot more information out now, and we really have a complete picture. Right. We kind of know exactly what happened. For mm-hmm. a long time, it seemed like they just mm-hmm. disappeared off the, the face of the earth, but, I mean, nobody really does that, so there's always more mm-hmm. to the story there. But, yeah, this one's a really tough one. Um, it is. It's a very tragic end ending for Audrey Moran and Jonathan Reynoso, but it's definitely an important case to to cover and, mm-hmm. and just uh, kind of follow up to Kendall's YouTube video. So but with that being said, let's go ahead and just jump right into this case by starting with the victims, Audrey Moran and Jonathan Reynoso, and just learning about their lives, because obviously there's way more to their stories than just, mm-hmm. you know, how their lives were ended. And there's so much more to know about them. So let's start there. So their full names are Audrey Louise Moran and Jonathan Darling Reynoso. And they had been living in California's Coachella Valley since they were both young. At the time that all of this happened, Audrey was 26 years old and Jonathan was 28. Audrey was known as a very sweet girl who got along with everyone. She was really close with her family, especially her niece and her sister. She was definitely a pretty popular and overall gorgeous person. She had a really outgoing and bubbly personality that made her very easy to get along with. She also was religious, not super religious by any means, but she did go to church and was always very well behaved. Audrey was working at a self-storage facility at the time of her disappearance, but she eventually had dreams of becoming a registered nurse one day. And at the time, she was taking classes at the local community college called College of the Desert. So eventually, Audrey started seeing Jonathan Reynoso. And Jonathan was originally from New York City and lived there with his mom, Myra Torres. And after he moved to the Cathedral City area as a kid, he started going by Jonathan Darling, which is his father's last name. Jonathan was a very energetic, life-of-the-party type of guy. He was always fun to be around, and he had a lot of genuine, good friends. And he was also definitely a big family guy, and he loved sports. We really don't know that much more about their personal lives, but we do know that they were deeply loved by their friends and family. And we also know that they both had very similar personalities, which might have been what attracted them to each other. However, we don't know if Audrey and Jonathan were a full-on couple during this time. They were definitely seeing each other, dating, but we don't know how casual that was. We don't know if they were exclusive. Audrey's Facebook account did say that she was single. However, of course, that doesn't really mean much because you know younger people these days really aren't updating their Facebook profiles. I haven't been on Facebook in probably close to seven years. I don't even know if people even, anybody even updates it on Facebook anymore. Well, I feel like I haven't seen. There's probably a lot of people who do, but yeah. the, the average person I feel doesn't take their profile well, that seriously, you know? I think the last time I did was like high school probably. Yeah. It's been a long time. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan didn't have a Facebook, so there was no way to tag him in any relationship status update. But it looked like they had been spending a decent amount of time together before they went missing. So the relationship seemed like it was progressing pretty well. The two of them had been spending more and more time together. But there were some rumors going around that Audrey was seeing or had been recently seeing another guy. 
we will take a look at that supposed other guy later on in the story. So anyway, Audrey had been living with her mom in Indio and Jonathan had been living by himself in an apartment in Palm Desert. So they were both living in the Coachella Valley area and he probably recognized that name from the famous music festival Coachella, which takes place in Indio. The Coachella Valley area is basically a collection of towns that includes the town of Coachella itself. It's a desert area that's very dry and very hot, and the area does have an issue with gangs and drugs. Jonathan had been working at the Desert Regional Medical Center in nearby Palm Springs as a surgical technician, but he was having problems with his finances before he disappeared and he was in between jobs. His family thinks that he had been recently fired from his job, but he hadn't told them because, you know, he felt embarrassed about it. He didn't tell any of his friends either. It was also later discovered that Jonathan was behind on rent. He owed his apartment complex about $2,200 in back rent, and he was allegedly due to be evicted on May 12, 2017. So this brings us to the day of their disappearance, May 10th, 2017. And this day was shaping up to be pretty much a normal day for them in the Coachella Valley. At 5.44 p.m., Jonathan ordered a pizza from Domino's to his apartment complex, the region's Palm Desert. We don't know when exactly he received the pizza or how long it took him to eat it, and his roommate was at work, so we only really know that he ordered it and it got to their apartment. Meanwhile, Audrey worked a shift at the self-storage facility in Bermuda Dunes and left there around 8 o'clock. She then went to her older sister Amber's house in Coachella after that and hung out for a little bit. Audrey told her sister that she was going to pick up Jonathan and take him back to his apartment in Palm Desert. He was apparently on his way back from a trip to Brawley with friends, and their pickup location was going to be somewhere between Coachella and Imperial County. Jonathan's real friend group had no idea who these so-called friends were, as they never heard of them before. They had no idea why he'd be hanging out with these guys. This trip to Brawley was suspicious for a number of reasons, the first being, of course, the fact that Jonathan's friends had no idea what connection he had to Brawley. Again, no idea who these so-called friends were, and they didn't know of Jonathan having any sort of friends or relationships in Brawley at all. Basically, Jonathan going to Brawley didn't make any sense to them. It's an hour and a half away from his place in Palm Desert, and Jonathan didn't drive, so he didn't have a car to get down there. So how'd he get to Brawley if he actually went there? And why would he need a ride back if he went with friends? Maybe those friends would only drive him as far as their house or somewhere in between Palm Desert and Brawley, and that's why he asked Audrey for a ride. There's also the fact that Brawley is pretty close to the border, and Jonathan's friends said that he was always afraid to get too close to the border area. They all went to San Diego for Jonathan's 24th birthday, and I guess he was pretty freaked out by how close they were to Mexico. According to area locals online, Brawley is a pretty rural town. It also has a high crime rate, and some people have said that there's a lot of drug running going on in that area. So it seems like it would be pretty out of character for him to take a trip close to the border with no car and hang out or meet up with these unknown friends of his. There's also the issue of timing. Jonathan ordered the pizza around 5.44 p.m., and we don't know how long it took for the pizza to actually be delivered, but we can safely assume it was at least about half an hour. If Audrey was supposed to go pick him up around 8 or 9, that's a pretty short window of time for him to order and eat the pizza, get all the way down to Brawley without a car, do whatever it is he was doing down there, and then come halfway-ish back. She's run through every scenario in her head. She doesn't believe Jonathan was ever in Brawley. Unless you're flying, unless you have something that's really quick, how the heck did you make it a Brawley and back? So no. So why would Jonathan order a pizza if he was off in Brawley over an hour away? 
It looks like it's been confirmed that the pizza was taken inside the house and the roommate was at work. So Jonathan was at home and received the pizza. So was he ever really in Brawley? It was believed that he and Audrey met up at some point that night, but it was basically unconfirmed if Jonathan was ever in Brawley at all. So people started to wonder if someone was using Jonathan's phone and used the Brawley thing as sort of a trick to get her to go to a certain location. At some point, Audrey went to pick up Jonathan. She was supposed to come back to her mother's house that night. At around 8 p.m., Audrey's mom texted her, Miha, where are you? Audrey responded and told her mom that she was there with Jonathan. She also sent a picture of the two of them at 8.45 p.m. I asked her, Miha, where are you? She texted me from her phone when I spoke to her. And that was at 8 o'clock at night? It was past 8 And what did she say? She just, that she was there with Jonathan. That was it. Did she sound scared or worried or? No, because she sent a picture. So at first it was reported that this picture that she sent was taken that night. But that picture was actually taken the day before at a local Mexican restaurant. It was also reported that the picture was sent to Amber, Audrey's sister, but it was actually sent to her mother. There's a lot of conflicting information that's been spread about this case, so we're really trying our best to stick to the facts and mention things when they are unconfirmed. But anyway, Maria got the picture and figured everything was fine, that Audrey was off with Jonathan, safe, and having fun. Jonathan and his friends had a group DM on Instagram where they'd chat and send memes back and forth to each other, and that day, one of Jonathan's friends sent a meme to the group chat. There were no replies for a few hours, but at 9.05 p.m., they got a message from Jonathan that said, quote-unquote, I'm dying right now. The text is pretty ominous when you consider that this was the last anyone heard from Jonathan. It's likely that he was responding to a meme. You know, people always say, Mm -hmm. I'm literally dying when they mean, you know, this is super funny. But it's possible that the message might have been serious. Unfortunately, Jonathan might have been telling his friends that he was actually dying. Jonathan didn't have cell service on his phone, so he could only use it over Wi-Fi. So that message might not have been sent until Jonathan connected to a Wi-Fi hotspot. But the fact that Jonathan could use his phone over Wi-Fi also brings up the question, where was Jonathan when he texted Audrey to pick him up? It also probably makes it hard to track Jonathan's phone usage throughout the day, since we can assume it wasn't pinging off any cell towers. Audrey's phone never pinged from anywhere east of the Coachella Valley before it was turned off, which means that she didn't go to Brawley. Audrey's phone had been off since just before midnight on May 10th, and Jonathan's phone hadn't been used since that night either. Before we continue trying to piece together the timeline of the last communication of Audrey and Jonathan, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. So Maria, Audrey's mother, went out to lunch with her oldest daughter, Amber, the next afternoon, and Amber told her that she had been calling and texting Audrey all day, but her calls were going straight to voicemail, and none of her texts were being delivered. So, obviously, her mom got concerned about Audrey pretty quickly. Her daughter was always in constant contact with her family, but no one had heard from her since the night before. And Audrey hadn't come home after class that day at College of the Desert. The two families tried to get a hold of Audrey and Jonathan all day and all night on the 11th, but they didn't hear anything from either of them. And that was really bizarre, considering they both had upcoming plans for the weekend— Mother's Day was on Sunday, and Jonathan was supposed to go to a concert. Audrey was supposed to hang out with a bunch of her friends. So by the early morning hours on the 12th, Maria was just beside herself with worry. She decided to try and find Audrey through her car's OnStar system. For those of you who don't know, OnStar is basically a service that's installed in many cars to connect drivers to emergency services. They also provide navigation and tracking services. So when Maria called OnStar, they told her that they were able to locate Audrey's SUV 
via GPS, but they weren't able to give her the exact location until she filed a missing persons report. So that's exactly what Maria did. And that day, police used OnStar to find Audrey's SUV. Police tracked the GPS coordinates to the car around 8 or 9 a.m. on the 12th. It turns out it had been abandoned on the side of Interstate 10 in the town of Beaumont. And there weren't any signs of foul play or any forced entry in or around the car, but one of the back windows was left slightly open. The car was locked, it was empty, and it was in good working condition. There were no issues with it, and it was all fueled up as well. So it hadn't been broken down. And of course, there was no sign of Jonathan or Audrey anywhere near the car. It was also definitely an odd place to find the car, considering Beaumont is like 45 minutes north of Palm Desert. So there's not a lot there at all. It's one of those exits with barely any services and really nothing going on. Plus, Beaumont is in the opposite direction of the route to Brawley. So Audrey really had no reason that she would be up there if she had been going down to get Jonathan. And the police would probably not have let that car sit on the highway for very long. So it was probably dumped sometime on the 11th unless Audrey and Jonathan disappeared from the car sometime that day. Bloodhounds tracked Audrey and Jonathan's scent for about 50 feet from the car before they lost it. And it's important to note that some of the reports say the bloodhounds only tracked Jonathan's scent. So we know that at the very least, the dogs picked up Jonathan's scent. And other reports say that the scent disappeared into a field, but it was really up the embankment and would have been in full view of the highway traffic. So it wasn't a field. At around noon on the 12th, Jonathan's family reported him missing as well. And at first, the police didn't seem to suspect any foul play. They were treating the case more or less like a voluntary disappearance, as far as the public knew. They were very hush-hush about the case, and as we'll see later, it was probably for good reason. I was just going to say, I'm like looking at the picture of where the car was stopped on the highway and the embankment where they said the bloodhounds went up. Mm -hmm. It is like, it looks like if you climbed up there, you'd obviously be able to look over at the highway, but it does look like there's some trees and other foliage up there. I'm just wondering if they actually walked up there to do something. Um, it kind of seems like if that's where the scent went, then clearly they went that way most likely. If they stopped on the side of the road, where else would they have gone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's weird that the bloodhounds only potentially picked up Jonathan's scent, not hers. Yeah. Were they separate? Why yeah, is the scent not hers? Yeah, yeah. that's kind of weird. Yeah, there's a lot of confusing elements. What I'm thinking is that did they go up there and do a drug deal in those woods up there above the highway? Because I'm just trying to think why they stop on the side of the road. Did they stop there and then get picked up by somebody? Were they stopping there to leave their car there and then they were meeting somebody to get picked up there? Or did they meet somebody there on the side of the road then they went up up Mm. above the embankment into those trees? I'm just trying to figure out why the scent went that way. As you can imagine, Audrey and Jonathan's families were absolutely devastated by their disappearances and nothing made sense to them. And they knew that because they were so close with them that they'd never just up and leave like this. So something was obviously off about this. They were desperate to find the couple and the two families offered up a $10,000 reward for any information that would lead them to their kids. They also passed out rubber bracelets and Christmas ornaments that had the number to the family's tip line. They even held vigils, fundraisers, and started a GoFundMe. Local journalists and reporters helped spread missing persons flyers and keep the case alive in the news. The families also took to social media to try and get the word out. Jonathan's mother started posting her letters to Jonathan and Audrey on Facebook in hopes that they might be able to read them. Audrey's family also started a Facebook group called Find Audrey Moran. But they also noticed something weird happening online 15 days after the couple went missing. 
Mysterious posts started popping up on different social media sites from a man named Aaron, including in the fine Audrey Moran Facebook group. On one social media post, Aaron wrote, I know exactly where both are. Patience is a virtue. This one man's been making comments and I'm like, I've seen this name. Someone had I messaged me um, the beginning of June. And she says, you know, this is weird. This person, what he's saying. And I look at it and it's the same person. I saw the name and I, yeah, it is Aaron. I see like the things he wrote in this recent one that, um, what is it? Patience is a virtue or something. Jimmy's like, mm. One of Audrey's friends said that she'd been texting in their group chat in the days leading up to Audrey's disappearance. And she'd been looking forward to a road trip they were all supposed to take that weekend. A local reporter asked that friend about the mysterious Aaron on social media. And that friend said Audrey did know someone named Aaron, but she doubted that there was any connection to the case. The friend said, quote, they weren't dating. No, not that I know of. And she would tell me everything. But more news came out about an ex-boyfriend of Audrey's that the police were looking into. The police executed a search warrant at the ex's house in Coachella. And they were also allegedly spotted carrying out black trash bags full of evidence. We don't know what was inside of those trash bags. They went into the house and get some stuff out of the house. And, but that's about it. But they haven't lived there ever since that search warrant was searched. No. We're not identifying the man who lived there because he has not been named as a suspect in the case. In January, Sheriff's Department Sergeant Walt Mendez said this about the man and the warrant. The Sheriff's Department was looking for something there, and that, that was a known friend of, of hers, from my understanding. Well, um, we've served, we've, uh, we've written and served uh, many, many uh, search warrants in conjunction with this investigation. Um, as far as to specific locations and people that we are looking at, uh, I'm not in a position to disclose that information. Some of those ex-neighbors allege that whoever lived in that house liked to throw a lot of frequent loud parties. But after Audrey and Jonathan went missing, those loud parties all of a sudden stopped. Also, the police found out that 12 days after Audrey went missing, her ex reported his car was vandalized and stolen. The next day, the police found it torched in the nearby town of Thermal. The car was basically burnt to a crisp. The ex allegedly lit the car on fire himself and tried to make it look like arson. But why? It could have been insurance fraud or it could have been destruction of evidence. So people started to wonder what Audrey's ex was hiding. They also wondered if that ex was the mysterious Aaron person who was making all those weird social media posts. The local news even tried visiting that ex's house, but there was no answer. I also went to a home in Indio, the address where that car was registered. There was no answer. I sat down with District Attorney Mike Hestron, who says his office is keeping close tabs on this case as the Sheriff's Department continues to investigate. It's a cold case. It's, it's a... It's a, it's a thorough investigation and you know, trying to figure out what happened. And if, if they can figure that out, I'm sure the next step is who did it. Theories started to float around about what happened to the couple. Some people thought that they were kidnapped from Audrey's car. Other people thought that they were possibly stopped by a fake police officer. The Coachella Valley area has its fair share of gang-related crime. And some people thought that Audrey and Jonathan might have been targeted in some sort of crime of opportunity or a random attack. Then there was a theory that drugs played some part in their disappearance. Maybe the couple had gotten in over their heads with some shady people. And finally, there was a theory that the couple just decided to voluntarily disappear. That they basically just left without any of their personal items and left their old lives behind. For Jonathan and Audrey's friends and family, this was pretty much an impossible scenario to them. And there really wasn't any There was evidence no evidence to suggest that. Yeah, yeah, nothing that would make you even think they would. I mean, I guess 
I do remember a lot of people brought up since because he was having all these, you know, financial issues right. and he could have been running from his life, but it's like, they weren't you'd think there'd be bad. so much more. Yeah. Right. They weren't right. that bad to like literally yeah. need to start a whole life over again. Yeah. That theory just really never made sense and didn't make any sense for Audrey. Well, we don't even know if they were like a couple trying to run yeah. away either. You right. Know? I think mm -hmm. it was kind of the assumption that they were this couple that just wanted to like run away together, but there's not really yeah. evidence for we that. We don't either. even know how serious their yeah. relationship was at that point. I was going to say, it honestly sounds like they were more just kind of hanging out, maybe hooking up, you know, right. doing stuff together, but it's not like they were living together and yeah, like a super deep and serious, serious and had that, you know, had some big secret yeah. or some huge amount of debt that they needed to bail. Going to commit to running away no. together for the rest of their lives. I mean, yeah, that just truly never made sense. But for three years, Audrey and Jonathan were missing with no trace of them anywhere. Law enforcement was pretty tight lipped about any information they had on the case. After 2017, updates on their case were few and far between. It was almost like they had just vanished into thin air. That is, until June 27th, 2020, when the police made a shocking announcement. They had arrested three suspects in the murders of Jonathan Reynoso and Audrey Moran. These are the photos of two of the three suspects arrested and sent out late Saturday night by the Riverside County Sheriff's Department. 32-year-old Abraham Fragoso of Indio and 41-year-old Jesus Ruiz Jr. of Stockton, now in jail and facing murder charges in the deaths of Audrey Moran and Jonathan Reynoso. The third suspect, also behind bars, is a Coachella man identified as 28-year-old Manuel Rios. The Sheriff's Department not releasing any details on how, when, or where the three men were arrested. The department also saying the investigation is continuing and is still encouraging the public to contact investigators with any information in the case. So Manuel was the one who killed Jonathan, and he was charged with two counts of first-degree murder. Abraham was the suspect who killed Audrey, and he and Manuel were charged with murder with a special circumstance of the killing of a witness. In other words, Audrey had watched Jonathan's murder before she was killed. How brutal is this killing? Any killing would be brutal. Uh, but I, I, I guess what I will say is there are people living among us that don't have the same moral values that the rest of us do. Um, this obviously was not a, 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 any killing is bad, but this was not, this was not a particularly easy murder if there is one. This, this was very bad. So that was a pretty odd way for him to say that. Obviously, he was getting uncomfortable. Um, he probably knows the details of how brutal it actually was, but it sounds like it was terrible which i can't even imagine how her parents would feel and his parents i mean getting that type of explanation for their deaths has to just be it's just where they use the word easy yeah it was it was like weird. his choice of words was questionable it was I mean, especially yeah, for he, somebody he who does this on that. for a living mm -hmm. and has to like give press conferences like this like yeah definitely and then the, the weird best. like i don't know if you saw but I, there was like these weird like smiling like, i know was, like, he smile. smirked yeah i don't so, know that was odd. this strange i think he's smiling because he's uncomfortable yeah i think so because i mean we'll talk about in a sec what happened so it seems that after jonathan was killed Audrey became hysterical and said that she would go to the police and the suspects were afraid of what would happen if she did that. So Abraham strangled her and snapped her neck. Jesus was charged with two counts of willfully and unlawfully having knowledge of the murders. And he was also charged with harboring two of the suspects, Manuel and Abraham. The police didn't give up a lot of information, but they encouraged the public to submit any tips they had. And they also hinted that there could be more arrests made in the case. 
So then on June 30th, 2020, the police announced that they found human remains. And they were pretty sure that the remains were Audrey and Jonathan. They just needed DNA tests to confirm that. We have found remains. Uh, we thought we would be able to get uh, DNA results back before the press conference. We have not done that. So right now we are still waiting on uh, the results of the DNA testing to confirm that it is them. However, uh, the investigation that led us to the remains uh, indicate that, that we did find them. Which obviously their friends and family were hoping for a way better outcome here. But I'm sure getting the answers finally was some sort of closure for them after all of this time wondering. On July 22nd, 2020, the police arrested three more suspects in connection to the murders. 31-year-old Eric Rios, 27-year-old Adeline Casaneda, and 28-year-old Aaron Bernal. So it turns out that there was an Aaron connected to the case. He was the Aaron that Audrey's friends mentioned, and he and Audrey had dated at one point, and he was the ex who had his house searched. He was also the one who allegedly burnt his car 12 days after Audrey disappeared. Why would this idiot go on Facebook and make a post like that? I know. Like, are you just stupid? Especially with Unbelievable. his actual name. Well, yeah. he, he didn't have his last name, but Aaron, Still, like, to yeah. have your real first name out there. Not even make like a use, like a yeah. screen name or something. It's it's harder now to be anonymous on Facebook. They kind of make yeah. you. So and then just don't say anything. Yeah, mm. call yourself anything else. Or yeah, yeah. just keep it shut. I mean, yeah, it's stupid. stupid. And it's just evil. I mean, yeah. to like so, taunt family and friends like that. I mean... You've got to have absolutely no human value, which clearly none of these people really did. Marissa Montoya was one of Aaron's former roommates, and she said that Aaron and Audrey were seeing each other at the time during May 2017, and Audrey was at his house the day before she went missing. Investigators confirmed that Aaron was Audrey's ex-boyfriend. However, it's not confirmed whether or not Aaron was the one behind all of those social media posts. But... Given the timing of those posts and the fact that he's involved with the murders, it definitely makes that more likely. Or maybe it was someone who knew that Aaron was involved and was posting for them. Of course, that is a possibility. I don't know about you guys, but I think it was most likely him. Yeah, well, especially because like Josh was saying, it's pretty hard to make a fake name on Facebook. Obviously, right. you could go make a new account under the name Aaron, but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's a little bit more difficult than just like you were on Reddit or something. Yeah, that is true. I'm sure police even reached out to Facebook and probably got the real identity of that account. Yeah, yeah. So Aaron was charged with one count of murder related to Audrey's death and one count of being an accessory. Apparently, the murders had taken place at his house. He also allegedly fled to Mexico after the murders, but we cannot confirm this. Eric Manuel's older brother was charged with two counts of being an accessory after the fact. Adeline was charged with one count of murder for Audrey's death and one count of being an accessory. Adeline was actually already in jail at the time of the arrests. She and her boyfriend, Manuel, were picked up in February of 2020 on unrelated drug charges. Officers had searched their home, which included a safe inside of their bedroom. And in the safe, police found five pounds of cocaine, 446 grams of methamphetamine, and 26 grams of heroin. That is quite a bit of drugs. I mean, that they're is. clearly either drug running or they're dealers. Yeah. The police said that Adeline had full knowledge of Manuel's activities and drug dealing and that the couple also had access to guns. And during their search, they also found a loaded shotgun sitting on their dresser. 
and $70,000 in cash in a house that was connected to them as well. They were charged with drug possession with intent to sell and child endangerment since the couple had a one-year-old child that lived in this house full of drugs and loaded guns. That's so upsetting. Manuel was also charged with being a felon in possession of a firearm. A police officer named Carlos Mendoza had recently taken part in a Perkins operation, meaning he went undercover as an inmate in order to get evidence from suspects in jail. And that's how he was able to get more info about the murders. Abraham was in state prison on unrelated charges at the time of his arrest. And maybe this was where Mendoza did the Perkins operation. Or it could have been after they were arrested for the murders. We're not exactly sure what the cops knew and when they knew it. In jail, Carlos was part of a conversation between Abraham and his cousin. Abraham said that there was a drug deal that went bad between him, Manuel Rios, and Jonathan. And he and Manuel wanted to teach Jonathan a lesson by just roughing him up. But Manuel hit Jonathan so hard that he accidentally killed him. Adeline tried giving him CPR, but it didn't work. I highly doubt she gave him CPR. Yeah, or tried that Yeah. Mendoza thinks that Abraham strangled Audrey because the suspects were afraid that she'd go to police and then Manuel disposed of the remains. Manuel, Adeline, and Abraham were definitely shady characters and they were pretty much known drug dealers in the local area. Jesus and Eric already pled guilty to their charges. Eric Rios in late February of 2022 and Jesus Ruiz Jr. on September 10, 2021. Twelve days later, Jesus was sentenced to two years in prison, but he was released due to time served. Before we get into the rest of the charges, we're going to take our last break. We'll be right back. A lot of what we know about this case so far comes from Jesus Ruiz's testimony. He spoke at preliminary hearings that were set to determine whether there was enough evidence to move to trial. Jesus told police that he wasn't aware of what happened on May 10th, just that Manuel and Abraham told him that there had been a quote-unquote accident. But Abraham had asked him to dig a hole in their backyard that was big enough to fit a bunch of trash they were going to bury in it. At some point, Jesus saw plastic containers and empty bags of concrete next to the filled hole, but he claimed that he didn't know what they were for. Mm-hmm. Adeline told Jesus later that there was a drug deal gone wrong between Jonathan and Abraham. Abraham and the other suspects wanted to beat Jonathan up to teach him a lesson, but it went too far. When Manuel hit Jonathan, he died and someone killed Audrey. What did Adeline Castaneda tell you about that? Something happened at the house and he ended up giving him CPR. Okay. When you say she ended up giving who? Uh, ended up giving Jonathan CPR, and then when he left the house, and he, I guess he was concerned the house, and that's where he, he passed away. Manuel Rios, nicknamed Panda, was the one who got rid of the remains. At first, they attempted to dissolve the bodies in some type of acid. He then dismembered them, placed the remains in plastic containers, and buried them in the backyard. About a year later, everyone in that house on Burr Street in India was getting ready to move. And that's when the remains were unburied. Manuel had Jesus rent a tractor and they used it to dig up the hole again. They dug up body parts, bones, and a big concrete object. Other than cement, did you see anything else while you were digging up the hole? One or two body parts that I seen in the And that's what I'm digging. So you said, I saw one or two body parts. Can you describe for us what it was that you saw? Well, I don't know what it was. It could have been bones. I think it was probably bones to bones. Okay. So when you say you saw body parts, you remember seeing bones? The concrete object that they dug up was disposed of in a nearby body of water, and the rest of the remains were buried elsewhere. The police actually ended up executing a search warrant at the Burr Street house on August 14, 2018. They even dug up the backyard, but the house was vacant by the time that they searched it, so it looked like the suspects had already moved the remains by then, but we don't know exactly what the police found during their search there. 
At the time, nobody knew what the police were digging around there for. Neighbors just told reporters that the house had been empty for a month or two by then, and before the old occupants moved out, the police had been to the house multiple times. The public didn't know that this was one of the many digs and search warrants police were conducting in the Audrey and Jonathan's cases. Jesus ended up leading the police to the remains, and first he took them to a canal off an industrial park. He said that's where they disposed of a concrete block that contained human remains. Then he took them to a second location in an undeveloped area of Indio, and that's where police found human bones. And on October 16, 2020, DNA testing positively identified the remains as belonging to Jonathan Reynoso and Audrey Morand. According to the investigators, the killers had a mutual acquaintance with the victims, but they wouldn't say anything more than that. All they said was that the suspects were known to the victims. But we did some digging and found out something pretty interesting. If there was a kidnapping involved, we would have charged with that. So there, there t- technically, um, there was no, it, it wasn't like a random kidnapping and then something happened to them so in, in that sense of the word. So it, it's a technical thing that, that, I, that I won't get into. Okay, so is it safe to say maybe that they knew each other? I mean, they were, they were all acquainted? Yes. So it turns out that Audrey and Adeline actually knew each other. Not only that, but Audrey had known her killer since they were all kids. They'd actually gone to the same middle and high schools, except for Jesus. That is so upsetting. I can't even imagine what was going through her mind in the end. Yeah, I mean, especially knowing that they knew them and grew up with them. And it probably just all happened so fast and was so shocking. Just, ugh. So do you believe their story that this was just like a drug deal gone wrong and they freaked out? And I mean, it's, it is possible, right? They, it could have been to scare them, to scare him, and that she witnessed it and said she was going to go to the police. I mean, that story could make sense. But it also could be a way to try to lessen. lessen yeah, that's yeah. What I feel like based on who these people are, mm-hmm. my guess is that this story is concocted to mm-hmm. make them look. Because even in their, their testimony in court, the way they're talking, they're trying to be respectful. And, right. But these guys are like bad yeah, Bad with how individuals. brutal this was. Yeah. Would they have been the type to just scare someone? Right. You know? But, I mean, it is possible. Who really knows? No one will ever Well, it's like know. to just teach somebody a lesson. Like, they must have mm-hmm. beat him really bad. Which, yeah. that just shows you the nature of who these people are. They're dangerous. Yeah. Likely. I mean, they could even be. Or it just, it takes one strong, wrong blow and can really kill someone. And obviously, there is the fact that it couldn't have, may have not been just to keep them alive because they cared. They also don't want the inconvenience of having to, it's obviously not easy to deal with remains and an investigation and all of that. So it's, I mean, it is possible that it went too far and it was I'm just wondering, accidental in a way, you know? I'm just wondering what actually went wrong. Like what about this drug deal yeah. went wrong? Like I, I almost think that it must've been something in order to beat somebody to the point of, of death, I'm wondering if there is more of a relationship there, at least on Jonathan's mm-hmm. part, than what we even know. Because, I mean, yeah. it's interesting to me that Jonathan was about to be, could have been evicted from his apartment. He, has, he owed them money. I'm wondering if he owed these guys money. Yeah. And maybe Jonathan was involved with them in some sort of drug operation, potentially. I don't know. But just it's just a thought because I'm like, mm-hmm. were they just going to purchase drugs? Like, I'm like, Mm, or this was doesn't he in more add, desperate situation. It doesn't add up. Yeah. Like there's something missing as far as what actually happened in that transaction. Well, that we just don't know. There's a lot of information that might come out in this trial that is upcoming. All four murder suspects have pled not guilty, and like we said before, the two ex- other accessories pled guilty. All four suspects 
face the special circumstance charge. And if prosecutors decide to pursue the special circumstance, that puts the death penalty on the table for all of them. Wow. Yeah. And at the trial, we'll probably find out a lot more of the details in this case. A lot of the questions that we're asking. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of you guys have. I know that this episode didn't have all of the answers that we all want to know. But this is just what we have at this point. And when the trial happens, we will also hear about important DNA evidence and cell phone records. That will tell us a lot as well. But as of right now, we're still missing those key details. But after years of pain and searching for their loved ones, Jonathan and Audrey's families finally have some form of closure. Obviously, this did not turn out how they were. Yeah, Yeah. horrific. But, you know, I think most people that go through these types of cases would tell you that they'd rather know than continue thinking that they're missing indefinitely. I mean, that's just not knowing is almost worse. Yeah. But it's a terrible, terrible outcome for them to have to digest. It seems like to me that Audrey and Jonathan, really good people that got mixed up with really bad people. Yeah. And sometimes when you're in a desperate situation and it seems Mm -hmm. like Jonathan was potentially desperate to to make money Mm -hmm. um, in order to get himself out of this financial situation he was in that potentially he got involved with these these guys because, you know, he's going to potentially sell drugs. This is just theory. You know, obviously there's no evidence of this, but just I'm trying to put all the pieces together in my mind of of how this this happened. And obviously in no case in any sort of situation, doesn't matter what type of crime you're committing, you should not, you know, nobody should end up dead. And and so at the end of the day, all of these guys honestly should be facing the most severe punishment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they all face the death penalty. Mm-hmm. This, I mean, this is, it's just brutal. Obviously, we're all curious how exactly this played out. How did the two of them end up in this situation specifically, especially because we know that some of these people are Audrey's old friends. So clearly she has a connection to it as well. She wasn't just with Jonathan we just don't know exactly how that all unfolded. Yeah. I mean, when I hear about how they dispose of the bodies, my my first thought was like, these guys are cartel affiliated. And it's interesting because Abraham is actually from Colican, uh, Sinaloa, which is where the Sinaloa cartel is based. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's possible that they have cartel connections. I mean, there's a... It's possible. It's crazy. There's tons of cartel mm-hmm. gangs and affiliates running through these areas of the country and Mm -hmm. it's just it's one of those things where they are they're just so ruthless and brutal like even in a drug dealing situation if you don't pay them back they will just kill you and it's just it's horrible and it's just horrible all the way around and i hope for the family's sakes that they get the justice that they deserve because yeah there's just no reason for any of this to have happened it's just really hard especially looking at that picture of them at the mexican restaurant you know just a day before yeah. this all happened and they look so happy and you know, they both had futures ahead of them and whole lives to yeah, live. Beautiful and, people, man. Yeah. It's, it's just, just sad. It's so tragic. And there's just very, very evil people out there. Yeah. I mean, this was definitely a hard episode to do and we knew that it would be, but we wanted to follow up on it. We wanted to put together the information here so that those of you who are interested can follow along with this trial that is coming up. Right. And just, you know, feeding off your your video because yeah. where you left, I mean, we you yeah. left off, you had no idea what no. happened. So no. there was a lot of theories that kind of theorizing. were out there. So this really, you know, kind of leads us to the end of this case, mm-hmm. you know, once this trial's over and 
Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm glad in the fact that this isn't going to be a cold case forever. Um, right. You know, where there's other, right. even couples disappearances. I'm thinking of like Daniel Imbo and I Richard. Uh, that one is like still unsolved. That comes to mind for me with this too. And so, you know, in that case, I'm glad that there's some resolution to it. Yeah. Yeah. And at least they can get justice yeah. and begin to heal and Absolutely. try to move on, which can you ever? I don't know. No. No, They'd probably say no. You can try your best, but it's one of those things that it's just difficult. But yeah. we're going to go on to wrap up today's episode there. Let us know your thoughts on this case in the comments below if you're mm -hmm. watching on YouTube. Mm -hmm. uh, make sure to subscribe. We really appreciate it, uh, as well as on Apple Podcasts and following us on Spotify. It really does help us out. But we will see you guys next week with another episode of the Mile Higher Podcast. We've got a little bit of a, a different one for you, which we're pretty uh, excited to do. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Really interesting. So, we will see you guys next week, but until then, keep taking your mind a mile higher.